Okay, today we will resume our Genesis series. And before we do that, I would like us to look at um, the point of last Sunday's message where we celebrated the 4th of July. It was the birthday of America. And there we evaluated how healthy America is as she gets older and older. You know, if it's your birthday, you kind of take a look at yourself and ask, am I getting better? I'm just, I'm just getting older, but I'm, am I getting better? You know, maybe it's good for us to take a look at America that way. Many of you were uh, at uh, Big Bear, and I just want to bring us that point so that I will segue to the Genesis series, if you don't mind. You know, our founding fathers knew the key to a blessed nation. They knew the key, and that key is what? Being a nation under God. Being a nation under God. The basis for that actually is Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. And you know what happened. 200 years ago from the, until today, many things happened to America. America became America the beautiful, America the great. It is still a great country today. But you know, somewhere in between, something happened. Something happened in between. And today, America, sadly but true, has become, I believe, based on statistics, it's a nation against God. Why is that? Because pride and declaration of freedom um, has made a proud America to come out where God is no longer Elohim, where God is no longer the Almighty that everyone is really under. Why? Because the free Americans wanted to exert freedom and they want to do what is good in their sight, period. They call the shots. As a result, God is not honored and God is not really obeyed by most of the people here in this nation. Of course, that's not true for CCF. We put ourselves under God. In fact, our objective is to be Christ-like and put Jesus as the end of our life. To be, to be, Jesus to be our model. And the free Americans, what do they do? They just worship the things of this world and they worship themselves because they want to put themselves above everything else. Now, this may not sound right as far as you're concerned, or you may disagree, but like I said, the numbers don't lie. The trends indicate that we do face a crisis, a big crisis at that. And in that message, I showed you the sins of the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, 90s, and even the 2000s. There's a progression of what? Sins. And what we see here is a continuous moral decline. And believe it or not, you know, our children, young people, you are excited about what God has prepared for you, but at the same time, I'd like you to open your eyes and be realistic. You are in a world where people are giving up God. And that's the reason why we will keep on doing what we're doing Bridging events after bridging events so that we will reach the lost and the, I guess, misguided for the glory of God. Is that an amen? amen. 
So the sins of the 60s, we saw the permissiveness of the 60s. Pre-love, rebellion, no prayer in school. And then in the 70s, we saw drugs return to cultism and dem demonology. Charles Manson, Jim Jones. I'm just going to run through this, but I want you to see the progression of the moral decline. In the 80s, there was the 80s plague called political corruption and even the dissolution of the family. This is our America today, sad but true. What about the 90s? The 90s murder. What do you mean murder? Every man for himself. Our babies killing babies because of abortion. You know, believe it or not, there are so many young people who get pregnant today because of extramarital sex and what do they do? Right? They want to get rid of the babies and go and abort them because that's the way the, the world does it and that's the way they're going to do it. And that's what you call murders of the 90. Our youth no longer show respect for God in human life. In fact, almost half of the young people today no longer have any faith at all because they don't consider Christianity as an influence in their life. And you begin to wonder, how did that happen? Maybe, maybe we parents have failed in that area and we need to do something about it because monkey see, monkey do, <laughs> right? Or what, maybe the, 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 the children in our families no longer see the God that they're supposed to see in us and that's why they no longer respect God in human life. Today, in the 2000s, it's even worse. Marijuana legalized. I like marijuana, Pastor Danny. Why is that worse, okay? Gay pastors and priests okayed by churches, same-sex marriage. I can go on and on to show you that there is really clearly what? Moral decline and we are before an angry God. God is good. God is loving. God is forgiving. God is merciful. God is gracious. But guys, God can also be angry. God is angry because of the clearly rising moral decline before us. And we said last week that judgment, this is a judgment of a displeased and angry God upon a stubbornly sinful disobedient people found in Romans 12, Romans 1, 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals. Look at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. God is already judging the sinners today. Make no mistake about it. God's judgment is not going to happen only when we die and those who rejected Christ will be punished to hell. No. God is already judging sinners today who refuse to repent and refuse to see where God wants them to go. What does God do? God turns them over to their lusts. That's why you see gay marriages happening right before our eyes. Bad. In fact, America is sick because she is rejecting and even mocking God with her disobedience and sin. And I showed you funny pictures of America are sick. Right there, Uncle Sam is being revived and sick and needs to heal. So we came up with this action plan. What do we need to do to bring healing upon sick America? Break free from the curse that God 
as imposed upon us because of idolatry, meaning we worship created things and we disobey God's commands. And what do we, what, what do we need to do? We need to heed God's solution. And God's solution very quickly was this. Second Chronicles 7.13, God is speaking. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. You know, God is doing this already, right? Right? Yes. You know, you may not admit it, but God is already doing this. And God says, if you see me doing this, folks, I am already angry. And if we take a look at America today, not only America, maybe the world, even the Philippines, where we came from. God is shutting up the heavens. God is sending locusts to devour the land. In other words, God is already judging our sins. What is the solution? The solution is this. He said, you know, if I'm doing this, if you do this, I'll stop doing this. God said, my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, will hear the land. I felt good because there's hope. I felt good because there is a solution. And the solution, folks, is within God's people. And that's us. And God said, if my people will humble themselves, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And here's the promise. He said, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to your prayers. Meaning, God will answer when we pray. You like that? There's hope for us, but we need to do something. We cannot just sit down and let everything happen and devour the land. Our people, God's people, us, should humble ourselves. So we said, hey, let's make America humble. Wow, really? Less than 200 lang tayo? Can we make America humble? Yes, let's make disciples. You know, and like I said, I will, this will be my passion over and over again. I will sound like a broken record, and I will sound like a broken record, and I will not give up because I believe this is the key. That's why we're called Christ Commission Fellowship. Let's make America humble by making disciples. Why? Why make disciples? Because the problem is pride and selfishness. There's too much freedom. They insist on what they deserve as human beings who are free. They become proud and selfish without even knowing it. And our job is to be able to bring them to realize the problem, and the problem is pride and selfishness, and the opposite of that is humility, Christ-likeness. The apex, actually, that you're talking about is Christ-likeness. You will become like Christ. The entirety of Christ will be in us. And according to the Bible, if you just go over and over it again, Christ-likeness is nothing else simply but humility. Now, how is this connected to the Genesis series that we're, we have been starting? Oh, it's very, very connected. You know, the reason why people behave the way they do is because of what's going on in their head regarding their, what they believe in God. What you have in your head about God will determine how you behave. Do you get me? If you believe in God, then you will obey God. But if you believe more in the things that he created and the society where you live or in the government or in the system or in your job or in yourself, I don't think you will believe and put God where he, God is. So what you think determines how you react to God. And so 
The reason why we're going through the Genesis series is for us to influence what's going on in our minds so that it will change what is in there to make us go in the direction that God wants us to go. So the Genesis series, being, being very basic, will help us. What have we covered so far? Genesis chapter 1. Remember? God is, God is Elohim. And that means God is almighty. Now, if God is almighty in your mind, it will demand a reaction. Right, Mike? What is the reaction? If God is almighty and God is Elohim, what is the expected reaction? Stand in awe of him. So, if God is not almighty, will you stand in awe of him? No. So, now that you believe that God is almighty, because he said, in the beginning, God created. You know, just God said, let there be light. Let there be day. Let there be sun. Let there be moon. Everything just created. And because of that, we said, hey, this God is Elohim. This God is almighty. And I have to stand in awe of him. See? Everything that is known about God that you accept and believe will influence the way you will behave. Genesis chapter 1, we said, God is Elohim, God is Almighty, therefore honor Him. You put Him above all else. If He is not Almighty, why should I honor Him? I'll honor myself, right? I'll honor the things that make me good. But because we said in Genesis chapter 1, God is Elohim, He's Almighty, I will honor Him. Today, Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to talk about God is good. God is good. Rest in his goodness. But I'd like you to show, I'd like to show you a trend. You know, in the re, in, every time we know something about God, God expects a reaction. God is Elohim, stand in awe of him. You know what that's all about? You will not stand in awe of God unless you are humble. You understand what I'm saying? It's connected again to what God is saying. If my people will humble themselves. See, I, I don't think you will stand in awe of God. You know what awe means? Oh, God, you're so big. I, I can't stand. I, I have to bow. That's awe. That's respect. And what, what is that? I call that simply humility. You are not, if you're not humble, I don't think you will stand in awe of God. What about honor him? The same thing. I don't think you will honor God if you're not humble. Right? If you don't put God above you, meaning you're putting, God, you're putting yourself above God, I don't think you will bow down to God and honor him. That's why it's still called humility. And rest in his goodness, I submit to you, is also humility. Put that in the back of your mind as we go through the message today. So what is the message today? God is good. Is God good? Really? If God is good, then... Why is there so much of what's happening today? Then how come, how come there's same-sex marriage? How come evil is striving? How come people are sick? How come the young people are turning away? How come people feel like, wow, the world is going against them if God is good? People are angry, people are, people are lost. If God is good, why then do we have all of this? But I submit to you, the Bible is very clear, and I will repeat to you again, God is good. Okay? And you're supposed to say, if I, if, if I say God is good, what are you supposed to say? All the time. And if I, if I say all the time God is good, what are you supposed to say? God is good. Mm. 
What are the proofs of God's goodness? You know, you only have to look around. The proofs of God's goodness. Look at, just look around. Look around America. It's the land of the free. The land of freedom of opportunities. Enjoying America. America the beautiful. I really, just, just look around you. God brought you to this place. And because of that, God is good. Just look at Ate Nene and Nanay. Look at them. They're very healthy. Did you know that they were sick and stricken with, you know, almost terminal sicknesses? But look at them. They're here worshiping with us. Is God good? All the time, God is good, right? Look at our young adults. You know, look at them. They're so vibrant. You cannot separate them. You know, they're like glued to each other already. Later, you will see they move like one, okay? You know, and praise God for them. And I believe that God is doing something right in our midst. And praise God for the leadership of Nate and Sean and, and uh, who else are, you know, I, I don't, you know, uh, Bien, okay? Those, the, all of these leaders, okay? Praise God for you. And that is an indication that God is good, right? Just, just witness CCFLA. You know, we started as four couples, almost eight of us in a house. And look at us now. Pretty soon we'll be in Staples Center. Oh, by the way. Wow. Okay. By the way, Pastor In Song said, let's pray. Pray for, uh, for us to find a bigger place. Better than praying? Why don't you just sell your house and give your money to the church and let's buy a big property? Okay. Okay, ba? Okay. Brian, okay. You sell your house, okay? Wow. Is God good? Look at our sister Lynette. Brand new kidney, brand new life. Give God, God a bring hand. Right? Look at Eliza. Do you see that little girl running around? Okay. She's, you know, to me, every time I look at her, she's proof that God is good. You know? God is good. Just look at Peter. Ang ganda-ganda ng asawa. Diyos ko naman. Nag birthday pa. No? Look at Look at Grace, my wife. Sko naman. Married to a handsome man. Look at Hilly so happy, so alone. Tessa is not here. I mean, I can go on and on. Look, hey? You know, Sino pa may asawa rito? Okay. Mike, ang saya-saya mo, Mike. Galing lang sa... God is good, right? So good. You know, look at me. I'm supposed to be paralyzed. Many of you don't know that. I'm not supposed to be walking, but I am walking. And because of that, I really declare that God is good. Come on. Come on. Declare God is good. You know, talk to each other. Tell, you know, later on, if you have a chance, tell, to, tell, 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 tell one another how, how God has changed you, what God is doing in your life to declare how good God is. Because if you keep repeating that, you will know that the goodness of God will overpower all of these evil things happening in this world today. Truly and honestly. So, God is good. All the time, God is good. Today, we will rest in the goodness of God. Rest in the goodness of God, and we will see that in Genesis chapter 2. Four provisions. 
Four provisions showing God's goodness that we will cover today in found in Genesis chapter 2. Number one, rest, called Sabbath. Number two, responsibility. God provided us with work or responsibility, indicating what? God's goodness. Number three, rules, commands. And number four, relationships and marriage. Pastor Danny, I can understand rest and relationships. I know they're good. But I cannot understand responsibility and rules. Are they good? Believe me, they are. You know, rules are commands. God has given us responsibilities and He anchored those or He established those responsibilities by giving us rules and commands. And today, we need to know the reasons for these provisions to make us see and believe the goodness of God. So, Let's start with rest. Rest, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Question, an almighty God, an omnipotent God, needs rest? Bien? Does God need rest? Mm, you know, that doesn't sound really, really convincing. You know, a God who spoke things and things happened by his word, he doesn't even have to lift his finger. And the Bible is saying he needs rest. You know, we may not understand right away what the Bible is saying because there is what you call progressive revelation in the Bible. The Bible, if you will notice, everything will point to Christ, right? So if you read something today and you say, you don't understand this, in the back of your mind, project that and say, you know, eventually this will become clear because the Bible is a progressive revelation pointing to Christ, okay? So just the same, does God need rest? The answer, of course, is no, but uh, actually God created a day of rest and called it Sabbath in Genesis 2 verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, meaning set it apart. Because in it, he rested from all his work which God had created. You know, actually, God made the Sabbath not for himself, but God made the Sabbath for man to rest. The Sabbath, the Sabbath is the seventh day. In fact, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Here, the Sabbath is explained. Let's see that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 10. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays. Now, this Exodus 28 to 10 actually is the fourth of the Ten Commandments of God. How many commandments did God give the Israelites in Mount Sinai? Ten. And, and, and therefore, since it's the fourth commandment, it's also very, very important. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? What is the first commandment, by the way? Just to test you. Thou shalt not... Thou shalt not eat pork? Okay, look, 
The Exodus is a, about the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is what? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. What's the second? Patay. What? 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 Okay, okay. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Right? This is this is where we came from in our country. There's this is there's this is a, there is a gross violation of this commandment. Number three, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There you are, commandment number four. The first four are directed are, are, are commandments directed to establish relationship of man to God. And then what is the fifth? Denise, you know, okay, honor your father and your mother. Okay, that means that's your, that's your favorite command, right? You know, when, when you honor your father and your mother, does that mean that you are not going to follow what they're saying? Mm, somebody's not looking at me. Okay. You know, rules, rules, rules may sound bad, but they're actually good. The reason why your parents are giving you rules because they love you and they take they want they want to take care of you. I will repeat the reason why your mommy gives you rules <laughs> is because mommy loves you and cares for you. Okay, you know if your if your mommy doesn't love you and care for you, they will give you rules that will you will love, but it will kill you. This is the rule of the of the ano ba family name nila Pedro Lucero family in this home. You shall use the computer 24 hours a day. No sleeping. Okay? All fun. Right? No praying. You know, that's not the rule of the Lucero home. You know, the Lucero home is godly and therefore he will give you rules. Rules that will protect you and make you happy. Okay? Okay, guys? Okay? Isha? Why are you sad? Okay? Why are you sad? Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm going through this to show you that the commandments are good. And the fourth commandment is what we're zeroing in now, which is the Sabbath. And then finally, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, wife or, or, wife or possessions. You see, the Ten Commandments were given to protect us, not to restrict us. We don't like commands. We don't like rules. We don't like to be given this limitation and that limitation because we believe it restricts us. No! In fact, the rules of the land, the law of the land, are made to protect us. And many times we violate it ourselves because we don't understand what's behind them. The commandments of God reveals His goodness. Amen? Amen. So let's appreciate the commandments of God. The fourth commandment clearly defined the Sabbath. And what, what is it? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is the definition. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord. In it, you shall not do any work. That is the definition of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the seventh day of your week, whatever that happens to be. Okay? Some people insist that it's Saturday. The Sabbath is Saturday because that's the Jewish calendar. No, to me, God is not legalistic. As long as on the seventh day, you rest. For some people, for doctors, for example, who work even on, um, on, in the Middle East, for example, you, you work on a Sunday. You, will, you, you work six days, but on the seventh day, God tells you, find your Sabbath. Because it is very important that you consider that. And the seventh day, seventh day is, 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 is what it is. 
It's not necessarily Sunday nor Saturday as most people believe. Sabbath is the seventh day of the week that God set apart for rest, meaning no work. Six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, Exodus 20 verse 11, and the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Aside from no work, how should we do the Sabbath according to God? Deuteronomy 5.15 You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Do you know what Sabbath means? No work. Rest. But sadly, many of us Christians really violate this. In the name of what? Taking care of my family, work, I need to work, I need to work, I need to work, I need to work. Um, we focus on the Lord. Aside from not resting, God is saying on the seventh day after work, you rest. But on top of resting, don't just sleep. Focus on God. Okay? Focus on God because He is not just our Creator, but our Savior and Redeemer. And therefore, God is always pointing us to the reason for the Sabbath, which is Christ. The Lord is the focus of Sabbath, Romans 14, 5-6. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his mind, own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, and he gives thanks to God. So, not only do we not work, but we focus on the Lord. Colossians 2, 16-17. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in this regard to food or in respect to a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You get that? So, the preoccupation is not on the day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, or whatever day it is. The preoccupation is on what the day means. And that means it's a day where the Lord is our focus. It is a day when we thank God for what He has done for us. Sabbath is the rest day. Please don't make your pastors work on Mondays. Okay, because the rest day of the pastors are Mondays. So tomorrow is? Please, don't get sick on Mondays. Don't die on Mondays, okay? Don't go to the hospitals on Mondays because you will call us and say, Pastor, please pray for us. Okay? Because Mondays is our rest day. Kung pwede lang. Huwag kayong magkakasakit. Huwag kayong mag... Huwag nyo kaming tatawagin pag lunis kasi nasa golf course kami. Okay? Nagre-rest kami. Okay? Pero habang pumapalo kami, iniisip namin si God. Daw. Okay? You know, we obey most of the other commandments. Look, we obey most of the other commandments, believe it or not, but most of us neglect the fourth commandment. Please don't. Don't. Take, take your rest as commanded. Don't get sick on Mondays, please. <laughs> Question. Why are most of us usually tired and burned out? No rest. <laughs> Science shows us this. Did you know that? Human body operates optimally in, se in a seven-day cycle. That's why there are seven days in a week. 
you know, I, I never realized this. You know, I got all of this while I was studying this message, and I got this all from um, the research of what CCF done, has done. And I said, wow, talaga bang ganyan yan? Yes, human body operates optimally in a seven-day cycle. Change that, and productivity goes down. Really. So if you work 25, 25 hours a day, you're in trouble. In the 18th century, during the French Revolution, Charles Rome, the one who was the head of the French Revolution, decided to come up with a new calendar. Wow, new calendar. A 10-day calendar, okay? 10-day week calendar. They call that 10-day week, okay? So 10-day calendar, meaning no more seventh day. Every 10th day is your day off. Parang ganon. So that is their way to destroy Christianity, to get rid of what? The seventh day, which was a Sunday. Remember, in the first century, Sunday became the day of celebration among churches because Sunday was the seventh day and Sunday was the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead. From then on, Sunday became the focus of Christian worship. So the French who committed to destroy Christianity had a very bright idea. And their bright idea is what? To remove the seven-day week and replace that with a 10-day week. So if there's a 10-day week, there's, no, there's not going to be any Sunday anymore. And that way, they believe that they'll get rid of Christianity. But you know what happened? Napoleon reversed the order when he came into power. Why? People were getting sick. Productivity went down and animals were dying because people were just working, 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 and working, and working, and everything went chaotic. So again, there's science in here. You know, the donkeys, the donkeys were dying. A report from uh, uh, Earl of Salisbury, they call that, okay? Ito ba yung Salisbury steak? Kasi namamatay yung mga animal, ginagawang steak. Ano ba yun? Hindi siguro, no? Donkeys can work and travel full load 30 miles a day, okay? If they have one day rest. Really? If they have one day rest, the donkeys can travel 30, with full load, 30 miles a day. But if no one day rest, they travel only 15 miles per day. Do the math. If they rest one day, they travel, they, they will cover more work than if they work seven days a week. Wow. Even donkeys need Sabbath, right? You know, so if the donkeys need Sabbath, we do. If not taken out under the sun once a week, you know, the donkeys in the U.S., when they were used as, 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 as what do you call that, um, to, to carry the coals from the coal mines, if they stay there for seven days and they, they, they do not go out into the sun, they became blind. They went blind. Today, like I said, many Christians are violating the seven-day principle and are wondering why they are messed up at times. Guys, don't be surprised if you are messed up at times because you are needing rest but getting no rest and you're violating the fourth command which is resting on the seventh day. You know, um, uh, I don't want to be legalistic about this, but I think you should really check yourself. You know, if you are working on Sundays, please find your Sabbath. You have to find a day to stop and then spend that time with God because that is something that the Bible, God is asking. God, your maker and designer, sorry, designer, knows you and loves you and cares for you. He tells you to rest one day a week on the Sabbath. You see, 
God said, six days you are to do work. But on the seventh day you shall cease from labor so that your ox and your donkey may rest. And the son of your female slave as well as your strangers may refresh themselves. Now my question is this. A king who orders his people to rest once a week is a good king, right? Right? You know, because a king who is not good will tell his subjects, stop resting. Just keep on working. I want your output. I want your output. I want your output. Diba? But a king who tells his people, hey, work six days. But after that, rest. He's a good God. And that's why the point of this message is when God gave you rest, he provided the Sabbath, it points out that our God is good and you better believe that. And if you don't believe that, you can violate it and suffer the consequences. God wants us to rest physically and spiritually. Look at him. Even Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, the Sabbath is also meant for you to rest physically, but at the same time, you know, God wants us to rest spiritually. And resting spiritually is found in Jesus. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And that's why the young people today have discovered that. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus who what? Who bore all of our sins on the cross. And because of that cross, we no longer have to carry our own burdens. And that's why I want you to put those right there. That's good. Can, can this stay here? Okay. And I want you to see that all the time. See, God wants us to live in rest, not stress. Say amen to that. Amen. God wants us to, to live in rest and not stress. You know this guy? Samuel Truett Katy. You know who he is? He is the owner of what? Chick-fil-A. Did you know that Chick-fil-A, they're closed on Sundays? Yeah. Right. And, but did you know that they're still the most, uh, uh, I guess, progressive and the most successful um, uh, I guess uh, chain in, in the country yeah. right and you know this guy the owner what honors Sabbath there's no work on Sundays I don't know with you but I, I know of some business people who used to open their shops on Sunday and then they decided to close it um, they were criticized because they were losing business but you know God honored them because they obeyed Sabbath their business even grew so that they don't need to work even on Saturdays. <laughs> you know, that's the way God works. So, the goodness of God. We finished rest and let's go to responsibility, which is work, and rules, which are commands. Every time God gives you work, he gives you the rules. They go together. And I would like to submit to you that rules and responsibilities, work or commands, are picture or uh, image of God's goodness. God cares for his special creation, man. Look at Genesis 2, verse 7 and 8. God cares for his creation. We are special. Then the Lord formed, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed man whom he had formed. Can you see the agenda of God? He created man in his own image and likeness. And then what did he do? He created a garden for this man. You know, and in that garden, God put his creation. That was God's intent. He cares for you. 
He cares for us because we are his special creation. And look, look at what God provided man for his good. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and, and, and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And then, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. You see, after he has created us, he created a garden for us. Then he said, hey, I want to give you work. I want to give you responsibility. What is that? I want you to cultivate it and keep it. You know, God wants partnership with us. He, 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 doesn't want, he doesn't want to give you work to punish you. Bahala ka. Papahirapan kita. You know, before sin came into the picture in Genesis chapter 3, God already gave man work. Right? But he made sure that that work was not going to be difficult. That work was going to be pleasurable. But of course, we know the story. Sin came into the picture and all of a sudden, work became difficult. Right? But nonetheless, work is still a command in the provision of God. So, God said, cultivate it and keep it. And then, in verse 16, the Lord God commanded man saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. So, God placed man in the garden. He gave man work. At the same time, he gave man rules. Okay? Rules. And you know, Pastor Peter being Chinese, okay, you know, created a, a, a picture of what it means to prohibit. You know, I need to show this to you because CCF is a Chinese, uh, uh, Chinese, Chinese, ano tawag doon? Root. Okay? And I need to show it to you. He, he likes to show that, you know, even, even the Chinese has influenced already on uh, the Bible. Okay? <laughs> The, the Chinese character for prohibit is, is this. Those two at the top are two trees. Okay? A tree of the knowledge of good and evil and all of the three. And then below that is God. Ganda, no? Right? And, and that, is a, that is the picture of, the, of, of, of prohibit in Chinese. So what did God do? God provided man with work, meaning responsibility, but at the same time he, give, he gave rules. Because it's for the good of man. And how many of you like work? You do? Gracie, you do? She's the only one who raised her hand. I don't know. Are you the one uh, supporting your family now? Okay. Okay, so, you know, where is your mother, your father? Okay, she likes work. Maybe the work that her mom gives her. You know, many of us don't like work. Right? Because work, work is hard because maybe the boss, maybe the, the, the things that you do, right? I don't like it. You know, uh, uh, believe me, it's, it's just a mindset, right? It's just a mindset altogether. And God is putting you where you are now for a reason, to humble you, to make you see that until you recognize the sovereign power of God, and that he is in control, he's not going to take you away from where you are. If you're still complaining, grumbling, complaining, and grumbling, complaining, and grumbling, you can grumble the rest of your life, and God will not take you away. But when you say, God, thank you for this work. This is a work where my boss is ugly, and I cannot stand him, but I still 
I'm going to like this work because this is the work coming from you. I am going to do my best for you. And believe me, sooner or later, your ugly boss will become so good looking because that boss will be replaced and you will be the boss. Okay? Sooner or later. But it starts that way. You have to love work. And work has commands, has responsibilities, has rules. And if you don't like to do what God is telling you, given by the local authorities of your company or even the government, there is something wrong with you, not with those people. It is you. You have to take a look at yourself and say, I don't believe in the goodness of God. If God is good, how come He doesn't want to give me work? Duh! Meron ka ng work. Ayaw mo lang. Eh kasi, bakit dito niya ako nilagay? Duh! Kasi kailangan mo matuto. No? Okay? Hanggang hindi ka matuto, hindi ka niya alisin dyan. Okay? Can you translate that please to those who are speaking in English and I cannot translate that anymore? Okay? Because medyo masakit yun. Okay? So, God provided man with responsibilities and rules. Sabi niya, rule and subdue. Genesis 1.28 Not only that, this is the garden. I want you to cultivate and keep it. Wow, ganda, no? Beautiful garden, it's yours. But I want you to partner with me. I want you to cultivate it and keep it. Genesis 2.15 And then he said, everything that I tell you is for your good. Obey me. That's what he said. Obey, obey, obey. And then he said, you know what? There are many animals. I want you to give them names. Okay? You call this Pedro. You call this George. You call this... You know, <laughs> Happy birthday, Brad. <laughs> Peter, 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 do you love me? <laughs> work is a gift from God. Not understanding this will make you hate work and not be effective at it. Say amen to that. Amen. God is good. He wants you to be happy. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you the best. And many times, he just wants you to understand that he is good and he is in control. And sooner or later, he's going to give you the best that there is for you. Work is God's gift to man to bless, to, to bless others. Such is God's goodness. Look at Ecclesiastes 3.13. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks is good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. You see, commands are perfect. They are God's way of blessing man. Psalm 19, 7 to 8. And then verse 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You know, God associates responsibility with rules. Can you imagine responsibility without rules? Chaos, right? But you see, what I want you to see is the rules are given by a good God. If the rules are given by a bad God, then you better be worried. But because the rules are given by a good God who is holy, who is omnipotent, who is Elohim, then I think we should put complete trust in those rules that God has given us and obey them. If you don't obey them, what does that tell you? I don't believe in you. I don't believe that you have your, my best interest at heart. Therefore, I will do what I want to do. And you know what? You're going to prolong your agony. You will not be rested and you will be wandering around in the desert. You wonder why the Israelites wandered in the desert and worked 40 years 
when it could have taken them only about three weeks to go to the promised land? Because of what? Lack of trust, unbelief, and disobedience. God's commands, God commands man to work. Work allows man to share with those in need. Ephesians 4.28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor. Look at that. So I, pr I praise God for, you know, America is a land of opportunity. God has, it's, you know, America has, 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 has blessed us with many jobs. You know, I've never seen a country where even if you're 60, you can still work. In the Philippines today, I have so many friends who are in their 40s and can hardly find work. Did you know that? Because they prefer younger people. You know, uh, that's why I, I, I really praise and thank God that God brought us here because here, work is abundant. But please, wag tayong mapili, okay? Pag binigyan tayong trabaho ni God, gawin natin our best. And, and when God sees your right attitude, He will give you the best. Tama ba? Kayong mga nurses, napakasarap, ano? Di ba? But stop complaining when... Uh, God puts you in the cleaning poo-poo and everything like that. Okay. Okay. Then he said, performing his own hands with what is good, what is good, so that he will have something to share with one another, to share with one who has need. So God commands us man to work because work allows man to share with those in need. You know, heads of the families. Mother, father, you're working. Did you realize without your work, your children will not be blessed? And you know, children, you know, especially Gracie who likes to work, okay? Thank your mom and your dad for their hard work, okay? Because, because if not for them, you will not be experiencing what you are experiencing today. You know, amazing. Work is a gift from God so we can bless others. Story of Ruth, an Australian woman. You know this woman? Um, she heard uh, God uh, telling her to um, go to Cambodia. God, you know, she was, she was praying and God said, go to Cambodia. Go to Cambodia and teach people there how to decorate cakes and teach them how to cook cupcakes. You know, here's an ordinary, ordinary housewife, Australian. And so he, she spoke to her husband and said, you know, I've been praying about this and God has been telling me to go to Cambodia for some reason. And um, the husband, of course, replied negatively, what are you doing? You're, you, there's a lot of work to be, do, to be done here. Why do you have to Cambodia, to go to Cambodia? And the husband said, if, if God really wants you to go to Cambodia, you know, you're on your own. You know, you pay for yourself because I won't pay for that. That's what the husband said. So, you know, the woman continued to pray. And the husband said, you raise the money. If God wants you to go, you go. But I, I'm not going to give you the money. And then the story went, okay? The, the, the woman continued to pray. And believe it or not, God intervened and God stepped in. And the boss of this Australian woman talked to her one day and said, Ruth, I don't know how to explain this to you, he said. The accounting department told me that we made a mistake. <laughs> we have been paying you. Uh, we have not been paying you properly. Here is a check to update the payroll. And you know, the, the difference between what was paid and what was actually um, needed to be paid was exactly the money she needed to go to Cambodia. You know, so she took it as a sign from God. So she went to Cambodia. And in Cambodia, she established, uh, she wanted to find out if there's a, 
a demand for cupcakes and you know um, bakery products. So she found out that there is, and then she God allowed her to encounter this this young 12-year-old woman, a lady girl called Tia, a Cambodian, and and she actually was a victim of sex trafficking. And you know when 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 Ruth found Tia, Tia was complaining. You know there is no God. If there is a God, why am I in this situation? She was she was just like saying. There is no God. Everything is bad. Why am I a victim here right now? You know, and then Tia said, you know, Ruth said, Tia, God is good, not evil. He actually spoke to a woman from Australia to come, to come here and talk to you. And, you know, uh, Ruth taught Tia to bake cakes and develop that business. Today, there are many, many shops in Cambodia called Coffee Bloom, and it was started by this girl, Tia. And, and, and uh, the, the government of Cambodia is ordering cupcakes from this, from this uh, coffee shop. And today, that coffee shop is helping so many victims of sex traffics. What am, what's the point? God gives you work so that you can bless others. And every time you are working, please have this attitude, this work is for me so that I can buy this, I can buy that, I can do this. Everything is oriented for you. Please stop doing that. When you work, look at it as an opportunity for you to bless other people. And when you do that, believe me, God will give you a bigger work. But if you're so selfish because your work is just for you, God is just going to give you a small work because what you need is very small and your work will be small. But if you widen your horizon and say, God, let me work so that I can contribute a building to CCF LA. Okay? God will give you a very big work. Okay? Amen? But your first 70 payrolls, space slips should go to CCF. Okay? Edwin, Edwin, where are you? Okay. Just kidding. Okay? But believe me, God knows you very well and he wants the best for you. If you want God to bless you in your work, appreciate your work and have others in mind all the time not just yourself okay not working as consequences did you see, did you know that not working as consequences syempre wala kang kinikita magugutom ka mamamatay ka di ba papalisin ka sa bahay mo okay your your landlord will eject you because you cannot pay the rent i can go on and on with the consequences of not earning and not working but according to the bible 2 Thessalonians 3:10 to 11 for even when you were with we, we were with you we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Wow. Mindset towards work. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. How many of you have problems submitting to authorities? Don't raise your hand. I know everybody will raise, okay? But if you have a problem with submitting to authority, then God is speaking to you clearly. And he's giving you this mindset. Verse 23, whatever you do from now on, work heartily as for the Lord rather than for man. You understand that? When you are confronted with challenges at work and people are giving you a hard time, Paradigm, change your mindset. You know, my boss is the Lord. 
not you. Okay? But because God said, I will obey you, I will obey you. I will do this to please God, not you. But don't say that in front of them, okay? Just say it in your heart. Okay? Because if you say that in front of them, you will get fired and you will even get angry. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Okay? That is your mindset. The Lord provided bread from heaven, manna, and with it rules. Remember the time when they were in the desert? Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instructions. You see, God provides, but he gives instructions. God takes care of your needs, but he gives instructions. If you fail to follow the instructions, it will not work for you. So, on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring, sorry, sorry. Okay, behold, I will rain bread from heaven, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in it, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Why? Why on the sixth day they should gather daily? Because on the seventh day, bien, it is a rest day, right? Very clear. Because the seventh day Sabbath is a rest day. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is Sabbath, observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, put aside to be kept until morning. Consequences of not following rules. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, and it, became, it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. Okay? So, is God good? Yeah. With the goodness of God comes rules. He gives you work, but with those works are responsibilities and rules. And all we have to do is to believe in whom who is giving it, because if we don't believe in whom who is giving it, and providing the work and the rules, we will get into a mess. So, the goodness of God. Um, we don't have the time to talk about relationships or marriage. I think uh, Pastor Insong will talk about this next week. When, who's speaking next week, Pastor? You are? So, he's going to talk about this relationship in marriage because I know this is something that many of us like. God's gift to man is relationship. And that relationship is what we call marriage because in the Bible, God said relationship is good. It's for your own good. Then, verse 28, And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. <clears throat> so, four provisions showing God's goodness. Rest, responsibility, rules, and relationships. If you understand the reason for all of this, you will conclude without any doubt that God is good. Knowing the reasons for this will make us see the goodness of God. And I'll end with this, this question. How come... Many of us, in spite of these truths, in spite of what we know, will end up still not rested at the end of the day. You know, you may be hearing this message right now, and you say, yeah, yeah, I can hear you, yeah, but you know, deep in my heart, I, I'm not sure if I believe this, okay? And you know why, in spite of this truth, many are still rested? They, they stay awake all night, they are worried, there's no rest in spite of knowing God's truth. Why? 
you know, reason for lack or absence of rest. I submit to you is this. Hebrews 3, 18 to 19. And like I said, I'll close with this. To whom did he, God is asking us, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? You know, if you are not going to obey God's rules, if you're not going to obey God's commands, if you're not going to observe all that Christ has commanded us, his presence will not be with you, and therefore you will not have rest. Ano sabi niya? To whom did he swear that he will not enter his rest? To those who are disobedient. To those who are disobedient. So, we see that they were not able to enter because of what? Unbelief. You know why you're not obeying God? Because you don't really believe that God can, God is good, and God will deliver. You trust your bank account. You trust your, your resources. You trust your experience more than you trust God. That's why there's a lot of unbelief. Unbelief is lack of faith, and lack of faith leads to disobedience. Hebrews 4, 1 to 2. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Meaning what? Look, you said there's rest, but how come I'm not rested? You know what the reason is? It says, for indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. What does that tell you? Lack of faith. And lack of faith brings you to a point where you will not obey what God is saying, and you will resort to your own resources. Hebrews 4.11, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall, through following the same example of disobedience. What is the example of disobedience? The example of the Israelites. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years. They died, in fact, before they even entered the promised land. Because what? They did not believe God. They were never part of God's plan for rest. Why? Because they did not believe and they did not obey everything that God commanded them. Isaiah 57:20. But the wicked are like the tossing of sea, which cannot rest. There you go again. The wicked will never rest. You know why? Because they will be carried left, right, center by the waves of life. The consequences of their, the things that they do will, will just bring them to wherever uh, sin will bring them. And they have no control over their lives because God said the wicked are like the tossing sea. So, unbelief or distrust is having hard, disobedient hearts that angers God. You see that? You want God's rest? You have to start taking a hard look at what he's giving us, the rules that he's giving us, and make a decision that this God is good and I will obey everything that he tells us. Hebrews 13.5, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me, meaning the Israelites who were disobedient. With whom he was angry for 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? God's provisions are with rules to obey. And these rules and these commands are meant to be obeyed, to make us humble. Like I said, every time you see me at the pulpit, I will sound like a broken record. 
Humility, humility, humility. God's goodness is available to us. He gives us rest. He gives us responsibilities. He gives us rules. He gives us relationships. But all of those are covered with commandments. And those commandments are meant to be obeyed. If you obey them, you will enter his rest. If you don't, you will not be rested. What will make you obey them? Humility. Faith. Belief in God resulting in saying that he is God and he is good and I will obey him. Deuteronomy 8.16 In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might what? Humble you. And that he might test you to do good for you in the end. You see, I am so fascinated by this word humility. Of all, of all the traits, of all the Christian characteristics that God uh, required for healing to happen and for rest to happen, I don't know why he chose humility. He chose that, not me. And I think we should heed that. Because unless you're humble, you will not obey. Unless you're humble, you will not honor him. Unless you're humble, you will not stand in awe of him. Unless you're humble, you will not repent. Unless you are Christ-like, you will not please God. Humility is Christ-likeness. Jesus wants us rested. Abide with him and be like him. I agree with the, what the young people have been discovering. The apex is Jesus. Abide in him. Obey him. Be like him who is humble. Look at what Jesus said. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Many have no rest because they do not believe enough to obey. That's why here in CCF, we are all about teaching others to obey. You know, it's not enough for you to desire. I want to be like Christ. I want to know Christ. But sooner or later, you'll find yourself bombarded by a lot of challenges. And right after the retreat, you're on fire. Trust me, young people, you're on fire now. But unless, unless you get into the mode of being discipled and discipling others, you will lose steam and you will never get up there. And God said, believe is what you need. And what you need is rest. And you'll find that by obeying. We don't believe that rules are good. Many times. We hate rules. Result? No faith. That's bad. We don't obey because we are proud and selfish. Therefore, we're messed up. That's bad. Therefore, be humble. Obey. Make disciples. This will make us humble obedient to experience the abiding presence of God that brings rest. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. My eyes, my ears will be attentive and my eyes will be open to see what you need. So, rest in the goodness of God because God is good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we, 
we want rest. We all do. But many times we don't know where to find it. We find it from, we try to find it from what the world offers. And Lord, I pray that this morning we'll find it in Christ and in Christ alone. Help us see that you have our interest at heart, our good. And many times we don't understand why you put us into this kind of situation like work. And many times we don't understand why our pastors and our leaders keep telling us to do this and do that. Coming from the Bible, Lord, um, I pray that you will open our eyes to see that it's for our good, that you care, and you want to find rest for our souls. Lord, if there's any one of us here who don't know you yet, I pray that uh, they will see you as the source of rest and hope. You said, take my yoke upon you and I'll give you rest. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you are weary and tired, searching for answers which you never find. Maybe it's time for you to say, Lord, I'm lost, I'm tired, I'm burnt out. And I want that rest that you offer for my body and for my soul. I, I don't fully understand it, but I just want to believe in you as the real source of rest. Tell Jesus you need him. Ask Jesus to come into your life and believe him. Because when you do believe his goodness, his faithfulness, then he will be the one to find rest for your souls. Say, Jesus, Lord, I need you. I want rest. I want to stop going around in circles, finding no satisfaction and no peace from what I'm doing. But beginning today, I want to see your goodness. You are good. You've proven it over and over again. But it's just me who can't see it because of my blindness. So today, Lord, I remove the covers of my eyes. And I just want you to just come into my heart, come into my life, and change me. And I pray, Lord, that you give us rest. As for those of us, Lord, who know you already, and we know that you're the source of rest, I pray that you will continue to remind us that we need to grow. We need to grow like your son, Jesus Christ. We need to become humble and selfless to remove and replace the pride and selfishness in us so that we can become the kind of believers that will become witnesses for others who are looking for rest in this world that is restless and dying. Lord, thank you for this family called CCF. And we just want to thank you for bringing us in this, in this gathering and this being together. And I pray that you will use this church even more to make me grow and to make me as an instrument to make others grow through discipleship. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.